Tom, I am fired up today. Hey, oh wait, no. Okay. You're you're fired up. I can tell because we're not going through the traditional hey, hey type thing. So. Yeah, it, it, Tom, it's been three years and I'm still pissed off. Oh no. I don't want you pissed off. I don't want you in a bad mood when you do this podcast. Well, we're we're recording this on Thursday, July 4th. So happy 4th of July. It's Thursday. That's right. Oh, God. It is. Yes. Happy Independence Day. And for our non-American listeners, A. Hi. Three years ago today, I think the greatest mystery in the history of the world was unleashed upon us. And the fact that it has been three years and there is no resolution and we don't know who did it pisses me off, Tom. I'm I'm concerned now. I'm maybe for my well-being. I don't know. I, I don't know what this mystery is. This mystery is a mystery to me. Tom, three years ago on Monday Night Raw, uh huh, someone hit Kevin Owens in the face with a pie. Oh. Three years ago today. Can you believe it? Didn't they try to get down to that? Like, I thought... I have I no idea. somebody had done the research and... No one knows, Somewhat Tom. recently, but... But it's been three years, and there has been no hashtag justice for Kevin. I mean, and I feel bad, too, because, like... You know, he was three days removed from Canada today. Oh, it makes it even worse. I never put it in that context. Now I'm now I'm not I'm not even just fired up. I'm freaking livid, Tom. It's not fair. It's not fair that on America's birthday that happens. And it's been yeah. three years. We can go spend billions of dollars to parade out tanks, but we can't spend billions of dollars to find out who hit Kevin Owens in the face with a pie. And understand, America is 2019 years old now. Yes. In the year of our Lord. Yes. AD. I just need to get that off my chest. We don't have time during this episode of the Cheaters Never Pin podcast to solve the mystery of who hit Kevin Owens with a pie three years ago. No, we need whiteboards and, like, yarn and everything like that. Push pins. Yes. Yeah. I I don't know if you've ever... I know you've been to my place. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the wall behind the headboard of my bed. If you slide it out, I've got it. I've got it hanging up there. Uh, I wisely have not entered your bedroom. It's a good decision. Yeah. I can't. We're just going to plow through. So today. (laughs) Much, much like me walking up. Much like me walking up the stairs to the. Uh, Delta Club, as Joel McHale comes down those same stairs, just put your head down and maintain yeah. and don't acknowledge. Right. But we will acknowledge. Uh, Monday Night Raw was real different this week. Yeah. It, in, in that, I watched it. Ooh. SmackDown. That was different. SmackDown was a little different. It wasn't that much different because I didn't watch that. There you go. And then uh, Fighter Fest happened. Uh, I meant to watch it. Hey, it was pretty good. Uh, I still can. I, I did watch. I did watch parts of it, and I just yeah. yeah. And then uh, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. 
But before we get to any of that, Tom, you got to do me a, a real, real big American solid here. Uh, wave that flag. Uh, ring that bell for me, buddy. Will do. You're listening to the Cheaters Never Pin Podcast, a proud part of the Section 328 Network, bringing you all the best in wrestling from WWE, New Japan, and beyond. Now, live from ringside, it's Mr. Workrate and JC. Oh, buddy! Oh. It's the Cheaters Never Pin Podcast. My name is JC, and here next to me at the commentary table to the stars is my good buddy, Mr. Workrate, Tom wonderful to be here as always isn't it it is it is especially on the birthday of jesus no no i I don't think oh maybe i mean (laughs) does anyone really know scholars scholar i mean it was it was probably summer and it was (laughs) i can get real deep into that but you're not here for that you're here for wrestling gosh darn it um as we discussed, uh, it, it is the the Fourth of July here in America. And it's the Fourth of July everywhere because that's how calendars work. Uh, but but uh, in case you hear loud explosions in the background, uh, it's because uh, people are idiots and love setting off fireworks in residential neighborhoods. Oh, there's some more. And and I didn't buy any this year. No. Did Despite- you? Despite how close I was to the border of the state that we live in and the state that encourages the blasting of fingers off of hands. Yeah. Did you see the video of that fireworks store in South Carolina that caught fire this morning? No. Yes, I saw it this morning. I was like, oh. It was, it, was like, it was like Disney World. It was like Epcot up in there at the just, just explosions for 15 minutes. Oh, but anyway, let's talk about let's talk about WWE in a positive light, Tom. Okay, yeah, we won't talk about, you know, people's businesses being destroyed and how amusing it looks. <laughs> it, was, it was great. I felt very patriotic in the moment. <laughs> um Wow. Man, I, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to begin with Monday Night Raw, and how 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 uh, uh, diff- how obviously different it was. Well, if you want to carry over the theme, there was fireworks at Raw. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, L- literally and figuratively. But more important, literally, literally, yes, we the had sh- pyro. There was pyro. Uh, when the show opened, the show just opened with wrestling, which I just want to start there and applaud. There was, I, I saw it was like 12 matches or 10 matches on Monday Night Raw. So kudos. It's a wrestling show. Yeah. They actually used that word multiple times during the show, too. They used the W word. Not, not the entertainment, not sports entertainment, not... Not wrestling, but wrestling. Huh. Yeah. Um, that I didn't notice. Though. Yeah. Show started off, balls count anywhere, Strowman versus Lashley. Uh, the finale happened when Braun Strowman speared Bobby Lashley through the uh, LED boards at the uh, upstage uh, on the top of the ramp there. 
causing massive explosions. Bobby Lashley taken to the hospital and released Braun Strowman potentially lacerated spleen question mark at a local medical facility. Um, it was. Yeah, I noticed they still call it medical facility, and yes. not hospital. Correct, because they feel like if they say hospital, people will call hospitals. But if you say local medical facility, no one will figure it out. The yellow pages don't work that way. Yeah. If you look up medical facility, I don't know what you find. Because I don't have the yellow pages because it's 2019. No one does. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was that was an unexpected start to Monday Night Raw. The first uh, official Raw of Paul Heyman's tenure as uh, whatever the term is executive director i think of monday night raw uh boy it sure it sure reeked of him from the start didn't it yeah i mean uh and i've said it before i'm i'm a Heyman fan going back past ecw to his wcw days and how poly dangerously manager he was back then yes and then obviously going into ECW and just the breath of fresh air that ECW was. And not everything was gold there. I mean, we, we kind of look at it through rose-colored glasses now. And there are a lot of angles that didn't necessarily work and throwaway angles, which are fine or whatever. But for the most part, his writing and his booking changed the face of wrestling i mean it gave birth to the attitude error and uh changed the product from the kind of sterilized family-friendly goofy 80s and early 90s product to the uh teenage male um i don't know alternative product that the late 90s wwf was so mm-hmm. uh and to a lesser extent wcw but yeah it was just such a nice feel to have something completely unexpected happen one there's like i said the show's starting off with wrestling and not 20 minutes promos great and then someone went through an led board and the set exploded <laughs> the best part is they released uh yesterday i think um, like the video, you know, it was totally unexpected. So there was a camera behind the LED board recording what was happening. Uh, and they, they're like panning after they break through and you can see in the background, uh, the guy like smashing the buttons to set the pyro off. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did make me laugh. I was like, Oh, I also loved all the, uh, the, the science fiction tech that they had set up there. It's supposed to be like I guess their idea was like this yeah. is this is the stuff that powers the LED boards and it were like knobs and gauges and things. <laughs> I was like I don't I don't think you know how LED boards work. <laughs> uh, but that was cool. Uh, it's it's science. Yeah, it's it's magic, space magic. Um. Also, we had. The, the magical speaking of space magic Maria and Mike Kanellis showed up <laughs> confronting Bailey and Seth thank god because they were in the middle of 
maybe one of the worst promos I've seen in months. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was <laughs> it went past awkward to pure cringe. Oh, yeah. Tom, uh, I don't I don't know and, if you, by the way, I don't know if you know this. Uh Seth and Becky are in a relationship. I I hadn't heard. Okay. How would how would one know this? I I, I mean, I don't that's uh, it's hard to say. Any any of their social media outlets or Michael Cole screaming it thirty five hundred times in an hour on Monday Night Raw, but uh, they're interrupted by Mike and Maria Canellis, who are like, "All right, you're not the first couple, we are," and then Maria goes, "So I'm gonna bring my bitch, you bring yours." <laughs> we said we said bitch at nine something, which I. Don't know how we forgot this. Uh, after that was in the nine o'clock hour. In the eight o'clock hour, what eight ten eight twelve? Uh, totally unedited, which is how you know it was scripted into the show because the show runs on a on a delay. And they could have taken it out. Uh, after Strowman spears Lashley through the screen, you as clear as day hear Corey Graves go, "Holy shit!" <gasps> He can't say that. I, I heard it and I like just paused. And I was like, they just they did that. They they did that. So anyway. That that whole segment going through like the later on, uh and I don't know how I feel about it necessarily, but they, they tried to play and I guess it's especially with Strowman in the past, how things would happen with him. And they kind of would make it almost cartoony, like, oh, Strowman just fell off a building and he's okay, or things like that. Or, like, this, it's like Heyman decided, all right, we we need to turn up the realism a little bit. And so you had Corey Graves drop that. You had the constant, like, seriousness after the fact. Like, it, it wasn't a thing of, like a year ago, had that happened, we would we wouldn't have been talking about the damage. We would have been talking about look at Braun Strowman, how strong he is. But now yeah. it's like, oh god, I hope they're okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you know, it's different when they uh, made sure that Braun Strowman did not drive back in an ambulance at the end of the night. Right. <laughs> like, I mean. And it started to almost get close to the Owen Hart voice, but it didn't get there. Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm okay with that, but I mean, show concern without trying to imply that, God damn it, this is a shoot. Right. I do love, too, during that segment that they had that uh, one camera that they clearly placed on the area. Uh, kind of behind where the LED boards is up, up in the stands uh, in an area that's usually tarped off. There was a camera posted there and there was like no talking and it was just the camera shot of the EMTs and the tech folk back there with Stroman and Lashley from a distance. And the fact that it was shot from a distance gives you that. Okay. You know, that that's how they tend to handle things. If there's an actual problem, they don't want to show you. Right. You know there's something going on, but we're going to keep our distance from it. Uh, you know, if it was if it was an actual issue in WWE, they just they don't show it on TV at all. But in you know 
most professional sports, we're just going to cut to the widest shot possible. So you can at least be like, something's going on. We just don't want you to see it. Uh, and I like, and I don't know if they're going to try to do this. I like the concept of maybe not having that perfect camera shot every time. Yeah. It seems like they are trying new things. They didn't do it this week on SmackDown, but last week, uh, the having the cameraman on the apron a lot during matches, I thought was was different and kind of nice. And it, it took me I mean, a, there's it took suspense. it took me like an hour of that show to realize it was happening, and then I was All like, right. oh yeah, he must be up on the apron, and it because it just felt like. It felt like you were in the action, so it didn't even, like, click in your head that this is a new camera angle and this is, you know, a, a new production choice because it kept you engaged with what was going on. Right. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of having different angles and things like that or trying new things. Um Again, I kind of like the idea of being able to to help me help me suspend my disbelief a little bit easier than it normally is. So, like in the case that you had mentioned before about how, like, when he got speared through the LED, how there just happened to be a camera right there. Like, maybe mm-hmm. you don't have the perfect angle. Yeah, I mean. We we tr- we try to put so much effort into not like having that second camera catching, say, finishing moves or big wrestling moves, so that the first camera doesn't catch them initially, just in case they get botched. Right. So that you have the the tremendous move that goes to the outside or something like that, and the first camera completely misses it, but the second camera is right there just to make sure that it was a good move and we actually wanted to do the replay. Right. I, I but think, I mean, to me, all this goes back to like adding that element of realism back to it. Right. And putting, you know, yeah, not that the, the, the wall of kayfabe, the fourth wall of professional wrestling will never be rebuilt. And that's fine. But you can, you can fake put it up. You can kayfabe the wall of kayfabe pretty easily like so don't have that perfect camera shot like that but say you have oh we uh got cell phone footage from uh one of the performers backstage who was cutting one of those cell phone promos and he happened to be doing it right there during the match and then oh my god this happened that's it's 2019 that you know that works right if you have like something happening backstage you don't necessarily have cameras already live you just have one of those things where, oh, something's happening backstage and you have like the camera guy like running to kind of catch up to it or whatever and yeah. take the corner. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Um, but anyway, back to Mike and Maria or Maria and her bitch. <laughs> which yeah. leads to mixed tag action. Which I was like, Mike and Ellis is Mike and Maria are getting a push. And I was very excited. <laughs> Because Mike's pretty talented. Maria's serviceable. Right? Like, she also, yeah. I don't mind having her on camera on my television. That, that's kind that's, of her main That's her thing. Value. That's, yeah. Uh, 
So at least it was her thing. Yeah. Uh, until she finally gets uh, tagged, or I guess Becky gets tagged in. So Maria has to come in. At which point she grabs a mic and announces she's pregnant, which is a shoot brother. Uh, so Becky grabs Mike and just pins him. Apparently that's legal. I don't know. Uh, and then Maria cuts this entire giant promo about how Mike must no, not. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Oh, did I miss something? Wait, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't get pinned. He tapped. That's right. He did get put in the disarmor. You're right. That is so correct. That, that I would not have corrected that, but I think it is. It is an important piece in the story. To what you're about to bring up, right? Uh, Maria uh, grabs the mic and cuts an entire promo about how Mike apparently isn't man enough to do anything. He's not man enough to be her husband, and he certainly wasn't man enough to to impregnate her. If he if she needed a man to impregnate her, she'd go get Becky. <laughs> I was like, uh, what's happening? <laughs> Why is there a cuckold angle being shot on Monday Night Raw right now? And also, also I, also, I could hear people rapidly start to begin to type into Tumblr uh, their Maria Becky fanfic. Yeah. You could hear it. I mean, and I had... I'm in a hotel room in wherever the hell Shelby, North Carolina. And it's where the car came from. On the background. I'm, okay. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and typing up something on my computer and it's kind of in the background. And I, again, it, it threw me to see the canalysis the canelli on my TV screen during raw. It's like cannoli. You pluralize it with an eye. Um, so I see them on the screen and then they go through this whole angle and just the line about if she wanted to get pregnant, she'd have Becky do it. I'm like, <laughs> I, for a moment had forgotten that Paul Heyman was involved in this product, but my God, <laughs> that reeks of Heyman. Uh, what was the, who was the, I, the, I like, I main... suddenly hear like, Bueller McGillicuddy screaming that. Yeah. That's what I was... I totally blanked on her name just now, but that's all I could think of. I was like, Bueller, 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 Bueller. That was absolutely the most Paul Heyman thing that happened on the entire show. Yeah. And I just kind of said, I was sitting in my, I was sitting on my couch just with my head kind of sideways like, this is happening. And I think it's one of those things that was show, so like, I don't even want to say shocking, right? But it was so, it felt so out of place after the last, especially yeah. two months and all of the, the, the PG era stuff that we've been used to, that it was very jarring just be like we're actually having this discussion on tv okay you almost saw the john cena making the ooh face gif <laughs> as that happened yep um those were probably the two big things from raw right yeah um the two big like were are we trying to get away from the pg era moments right I don't think oh, there was, yeah. Yeah. 
and then and then Tuesday, uh, you had uh, Kofi using the middle finger on Samojo, which I thought was brilliantly shot, by the way, because you first had the camera shot of them behind Joe to where you just see uh, Kofi raise his hand after refusing to shake Samoa Joe's hand and then it just kind of rotate and then heard the crowd reaction. And then um, because my streaming television provider of choice broke their app on my Xbox, um, I was watching it online at a website. So I was watching a Canadian feed and they blacked it out, but apparently on USA Network, uh, you could see the middle finger in the next shot. Uh, wow. Stone Cold Kofi. Again, jarring. Not expecting that. No, so it's it's. Go so ahead. Are we are we moving away from PG? As the I world mean, explodes behind me. <laughs> I mean, it looks that way, and I mean, let's be honest, kind of has to. I mean, the product has been getting stale. I mean, you you see the the average age of like Aurora SmackDown viewers like what like fifty something or whatever. It's yeah. Because and and this isn't a whole millennials don't like whatever. It, it's it's not interesting. Yeah. And I think the I important mean, thing is they they can move away from TV PG without going to the. Re- ridiculous uh crash tv format of russo and the attitude era right right like, they can be edgy and and yeah, realistic I... without being gross and appalling and uh just awful yeah the whole misogynistic uh you know half naked we're we're going to strip somebody naked later on this hour type angles that uh, the Attitude Era had. Now, we don't need to do that necessarily, but we do need to do something that's a little bit more growing up because, I mean, mm-hmm. it is. It's it, you're, you're pushing what is, I mean, and again, I guess it's a case of you have to turn around, you have to look at something like AEW that they're not necessarily even doing angles at this point, but they're drawing in a younger viewing audience because they have the, the interesting characters that some people know of, like the box and Cody, that type of thing. But they've also got the product and mm-hmm. they they have nothing basically to fall back on, except for a little bit of that reputation for those handful of people that do know them. Yeah. WWE has been working off that reputation for a while now and assuming that people already know kind of these characters and that type of thing, which with your average age of 50 something, they do already know those people because they're not getting new viewers and they're getting the same viewers. Yeah. And that's why the viewing numbers are going down because you're not gaining any new viewers but the viewers that have been watching regularly every week for, you know, the last 20 years or whatever are starting to tune out and go, eh, I don't need to watch this immediately anymore. Mm-hmm. Someone also made a really interesting point on Reddit that I was reading before we started recording. Um, 
they've written a thread about, and you know, everyone always talks about the, the wrestling business is very cyclical. Most businesses are, um, whether that's in a, on a micro or a macro scale, you know, whatever. But if you look at the way WWE's always kind of structured itself, it always kind of reinvents itself when its core fans come into their their teenage years. So you look at the ki- the the kids that grew up with Hogan, grew up, had children, and their children hit their young adult status during the Attitude Era. The kids that were born and are growing up in the Attitude Era now have their young adult children. Right. So it's time to edge the product again, right? And appeal to that. I don't know. It was just—it was a very interesting insight that I'd never kind of put into context because the you know the the core fans are always the core fans, right? So and that gets passed down. But through, I mean, and that it does honestly, get passed down through families and and things like that because you know it's family tradition. You know, what do we do on Monday night? We watch Raw. So now we're 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 bringing them back into the fold. So I just thought that was I just thought that was a really interesting right. insight, especially like I said, as much as everyone talks about wrestling being cyclical and this being the beginning of that new upswing and then getting in on it now, you know, AEW and the other brands too kind of had beaten them to the punch with that. But now it's their turn to kind of join in and appeal to that young adult audience for the next what 3-4 years. Then yeah. they can tone it back down again for five, six years, and then they ramp it back up again. But I mean, it, it is that cycle it, it, that this is that third cycle seemingly because, okay. Um, I mean, I can point to my generations as I go along because I was a kid in grade school in the Hogan era. Like that, that mm-hmm. Hogan era, I was I was introduced to wrestling and I started watching wrestling uh, somewhere around late 85, early 86. Cause I, it was before WrestleMania two, okay. but after WrestleMania one. So that kind of era, um, uh, Vince had expanded and grabbed people like junkyard dog. And, you know, I uh, just, the, the rock and wrestling, thing had already happened the cartoon was on everything like that so that's what kind of dragged me in so that was that first error and i stuck with it for a while and kind of dropped off and ecw helped kind of stoke my interest and then obviously the attitude error so i was in college in that attitude error time where mm-hmm. you know the that's i mean i was kind of in my early twenties at the time, but yeah, we had people there 18, 19, whatever that were kind of getting into it as well. So that was that kind of age kind of demographic that switched over. Now I have teenage kids of my own that if they were interested, they're not necessarily, but if they were interested that, you know, this is a place where they could potentially, jump on as fans like they they were kind of interested in as little kids as i mean any kind of spectacle that you go to right it's interesting but they don't follow the product they'll watch a show like if you want if you know 
if NXT shows up uh, next month, we'll go and they'll be into it. And then, but they're not going to watch every week. Yeah, they're they're they don't have the engagement with the product, no. right? Right. But that's it. Just seems like again, it's cyclical, and there always seems to be a trigger, like. Vince's expansion in the late 80s was that trigger. Mm-hmm. It, that that wrestling was a very regional whatever. That between, like, I can remember watching WWF, but I was big into the Aftermags too. So I learned about Flair. I learned about Dusty, you know, the Von Erics, things like that through the magazines. And then when we got cable, I got Superstation. So I was able to watch... World Championship Wrestling at mm-hmm. 605 on the Superstation. I was able to watch ESPN. Yeah. Wow. ESPN. Yeah, that just... Yes, pow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Derek says at the end of every podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you for still staying with us. Uh, I was able to watch ESPN and see the Von Erichs on World Class or AWA, depending on what day of the week because they were Mm -hmm. both running ESPN, I think at that time. But I mean, I just remember the AWA shows from the showboat in Las Vegas (laughs) (laughs) and the world-class shows from the sportatorium in Texas. So I was able to watch, you know, there was this growth thanks to cable, I think in the eighties more so than McMahon, but McMahon kind of stirred it up and then kind of got people interested. And then, Cable jumped on, so you had that accessibility. In the 90s, it was ECW kind of stroking the fires and getting the WWF to change their product to compete with WCW, which was beating them at the time. So that was that trigger that got people interested in it because, again, things have peaked. Is AEW the thing that causes this third wave? Yeah, that's it. So... Yes. Again, nothing is competition for WWE because it's a billion dollar machine that will outlive us all. (laughs) But I think more importantly, you put it into the context uh, with a technological change around it, right? And in this age, in the streaming age, right? That's, That's the current change. So while Cable brought wwe to the masses it also brought like you said awa and wcw and whoever else was on one of the 30 channels right right well now with streaming you've got the independent wrestling network so you've got the uncharted territory uh the beyond show right that's been huge as of late uh you've got progress right that's how they gain a big u.s following uh you've got impact moving to twitch right and putting on decent shows as of late you've got ring of honor who's not putting on decent shows right uh but you know creating uh honor club you've got wwe who's got the network you've got aew signing with bleacher report live that technological change that has brought a product change to the masses because and if even if you look at it when when you look at ecw right and them doing uh cyber cyber slam Am I getting it right? Whatever. You know, they were trying to do eye yeah. pay-per-views, right? 
and bring that and bring their product to the masses. What was the name? What was the name of it? Cyber Slam. Well, Cyber Slam wasn't that type of product. Cyber Slam was more of like an internet convention. Okay. Uh, but, but still, could, bringing the, bringing the, the technology wasn't necessarily there for i pay per view yet. Yeah. But they were they were utilizing that technology to bring their brand to the masses. So yeah, with independent wrestling always being a step ahead of WWE, with streaming being that modality now, they're they're catching up, right? <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah. Tom, we just solved exactly everything that's happening in professional wrestling today. Yep. Oh. Someone give us money. Holy crap. It's like a light bulb just went on, and it was not these several Bud Lights I've had in the last 36 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> because, yes, at one point you started talking, and I pulled more headphone cables so I could go get more. But, uh, holy crap, yeah. It's, it, Vince will always respond when there's an outside force technologically and competitively. Yeah. And that's what makes the product better. Strap in, kids. Here we go. I mean, we've been saying that for months, right, since AEW was announced. We knew that that competitive edge was coming back. Even though, again, yeah, well, I mean, even though I still want to stress the fact, AEW is not competition for WWE; it's an alternative to WWE. I think, I don't think anyone can disagree with that, right? Like AEW is never going to appeal to eight-year-old children, right? I don't, that's not what they're shooting yeah, for. The, the, AEW is not getting like seen in Egypt. They, they don't want the Mattel deal and they're not going to be doing be a star rallies and building 40 playgrounds whenever they have all out every year. Right. All right. So, but I, I think it's a better comparison because they're like, Oh, well, you know, they'll be their WCW. It's like, no, AW will be their ECW because ECW was never, ever, ever going to compete with the WWF. So we're 15 years away from Cody doing commentary and being on creative. Cool. I'm done with that. Um, which Vince will be 89 years old. And still eating steak wraps every day and sleeping four hours. <laughs> God damn it. Blend it. How do you do the Vince walk with a with a walker, though? I can't wait. I, I like part of me is like, I want Vince that old and him still to be Mr. McMahon on television. <laughs> and just... Just rock it with the walker back and forth. It's Vince on a like hover round as it rolls as it rolls down the ramp. He's just swinging his arms back and forth. <laughs> I need this cart because of the size of my balls. Yeah, and somehow Pris- uh, uh, Briscoe and Patterson are still walking behind him, and you're like, I don't understand time anymore. <laughs> And Ric Flair's on his 39th wife. Jack Briscoe dies, but... Jack (laughs) Briscoe dies, but Jerry Briscoe lives to be 110. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I can... can... 
Speaking of Briscoe, I finally watched uh, from All In Weekend, and it's available on Fight for free. The roast of Bruce Pritchard, and they, but if watch it, it's free. Uh, the parts that the comedians they had come in and do it, hilarious. Like perf- like guys who know how to actually roast people. Great. Right. The wrestlers they had come in, up and do it, not so great. Patterson and Briscoe take up what feels like three and a half hours. I mean, it's it, <laughs> it feels longer than a Hillbilly Jim Hall of Fame speech. And Briscoe, Patterson... He's talking for so much. Patterson wanders off at one point to go take a piss. <laughs> and Briscoe tells the most long-winded story about this one time uh, 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 Pritchard, like, farted. <laughs> it's like this, like, 30-minute story. <laughs> like, what? What is happening? <laughs> and Jerry's not the fastest talker to begin with. No. But it's like every stereotype of like old band tells story playing out in real time. Uh, but it's uh, if you have the fight app, uh, watch it. It's hilarious. It's a roast, so it's incredibly offensive. <laughs> the best part is the comedian's like, I mean, you you can crap on Bruce Pritchard because he's fat and he's had multiple heart attacks. <laughs> there are the jokes. But uh, Medusa's up on the dais. <laughs> so every comedian that's coming up is just crapping on her for, like, how old she looks and for, like, sleeping with everyone and, like, just all this. It's ridiculous. And everyone's making fun of Xbox for, you know, ripping his anus. <laughs> I highly suggest it. If you get really bored and need to kill an hour and a half on this long holiday weekend, uh pulled it up on the fight app doing that right now yes bookmark that it's good it's 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 worth the watch uh so we we touched on AEW, talking about that being one of the uh the invisible hand pushing wwe right right fighter fest was this past saturday i thought it was a good show I enjoyed it. It was, you know, not quite to the level of double or nothing. No, I don't think anyone was expecting that. But there's two main things I want to touch on. Actually, there's three main things I want to touch on. Tom, did you see any of the buy-in, the pre-show? No. All right. So I've got two things from that to touch on. Um, I, I heard w- about one match. I will preface this by saying... If it's an AEW thing, and even Dave Meltzer was like, is this never going to end? Please make it stop. You know it was bad. <laughs> so, yeah. the opening match on the pre- on the buy-in. I'm trying to remember to use their terminology, right? I don't want to... We do it with WWE. I want to do it for them. Right. Michael Nakazawa versus Alex Jabaley. This would be the one I heard about. I don't get the Nakazawa thing anyway. Right? Like, he covers, he just comes out and covers himself in baby oil. Which I realize a lot of you could say, but like, you like Joey Ryan. Yeah, he does that, but it's part of, it's part of the gimmick of being sleazy. Nakazawa just covers himself in baby oil. Right? Mm -hmm. And he's fighting a guy who, and I had to listen, 
I had to listen to Cornette's review of this. Because, by the way, if you haven't listened to Jim Cornette review any of the AEW shows, you can disagree with him all you want, because I do. Because, I, you know, he wants, you know, the only thing he ever praises is like, Cody had a good match, a good, a good American-style match. That's great. But I had to agree with Cornette on the fact that Jabaley is a mark for himself that was out there who had no business being out there and just looked like an idiot in a ring. And it ruins the credibility of the brand of AEW. Like you've got actual wrestlers. It's your second show. Why? And I realized you're doing this show with CEO, right? And this is there. This is CEO CEO. And he's a, he's a huge, he has a huge mark. But do you need to let him be a mark for himself on national television? Right. It was just not good. The other thing. The librarian gimmick needs to die a fiery death. It just doesn't. We're not. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. Why are there two of them? We're still not explaining that. They just go to each other. It's dumb. It just, it feels so, it feels so gimmicky and out of place. And I think maybe that's my problem with Nakazawa too. It feels so gimmicky and out of place in AEW. That it just doesn't, and I, I love Leva Bates on a personal level, right? Like, I think she's great. I love that she's able to use her pop culture knowledge to, run different gimmicks and different promotions this and the other. She's not a great wrestler. And it, that also really showed in this match. Right. Especially against someone who is as actually good as Allie, since she ended up facing Allie since uh, uh, Kylie Ray wasn't there. It was just not good. This was not a good start to their second show. It was, that, was, that was the most painful pre-show I've ever sat through it. I've watched every WWE. Wow. <laughs> How many W's did I put in there? Every WWE pre-show in the network era I have seen start to finish. This is the worst one I've ever seen. Tom, comment. We had concerns. Well, I wouldn't say concerns, but I mean, it was just question marks in general because when AEW was formed under, you know, the the umbrella of the Bucks and Cody and Kenny and, and the elite, I guess you could just say in general. Right. Um, like, we knew that they had enough star power to bring in enough people you know and they had they had the one show that they did that they used their star power and in uh um uh, all in which did well you mm-hmm. know for the most part across the board could show yeah. standalone show 
no angles or anything like that. It's a standalone show. It's like, okay, you know, it's it's almost like when you put together a fundraiser card, you turn around and you go, okay, well, we're having this show. We have no storylines to go along with it. I, Just A versus B, they, that type of thing. They did shoot storylines for it on Being the Elite, which is a whole different issue I have well, yeah, with, with their but, product right now. But yeah. I'll come back to that. Go ahead. But, I mean, for the most part, you know, it, it – kind of was standalone to kind of see and go, okay, well, we're just going into this to see matches and they're fine. Then double or nothing comes. And again, for the most part, you're building a little bit of storyline, but for the most part, you're still building it around the matches. You're not, you don't have a weekly show like WWE has. So you're basing it more on, you know, the card itself and the personalities of the people that you know and the little things that are being done online, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So everybody, you know, all, all the fans of AEW, the people that swear by them is just like, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Look at this wrestling. It's going to be great. But we don't – the concern was, all right, well, yes, on a standalone show, they can put together a great standalone show. Are they going to be able to put together a week-to-week show that, like on TNT, that you're actually going to watch? Are they going to be able to have the writers and things like that to be able to... You can do the major storylines, like, you know, Cody with somebody or the Bucks with somebody. That's fine. But with these second-tier people being able to write things for them to keep the crowd interested instead of just waiting for the main event to happen. Are they going to be able to do that? We don't know. And no one cared because it was like, I don't care. This is a new product and Cody's going to be there and the bucks are going to be there. So it's okay. Yeah. We're starting to see now that this isn't going to be perfect, which is a good thing. And because, and because of the lack of, shows that they've done it's tough to be able to kind of you're going to have these growing pains because you're not you don't have the weekly shows so far that you're throwing out there that the fans can turn around and go you know what that was crap or to be able to see it in front of you to turn around and Mm -hmm. go this isn't going to work the fans aren't responding yeah and go okay that's not going to work we can work and that's what you're going to have when you start to get you know, weekly shows or house shows and things like that. Like WWE doesn't even have necessarily have to put something on TV. They can try out something on house shows, you know, a couple of times ago. Oh, these guys actually worked really pretty good together. Maybe we should, you know, work something with them, that type of thing. They don't have that right now. And so there's the question of, are they going to be able to put this stuff together, Mm -hmm. you know, or to have a weekly show to have, to, keep people interested once we get past the thing of this is different than wwe and these are the guys that i know from hot topic <laughs> yeah yeah the weakness of only being able to promote stuff at this scale for what they're trying to do using multiple youtube series is not working for for some of the, for the big stuff it's working fine right the main card was great i have no complaints um, I thought Christopher Daniels promo that he cut on one of the road to fighter fest episodes was, was brilliant. Right. 
because it's Christopher Daniels. It's going to be brilliant. Um, I thought Darby Allen's introduction was brilliant. I thought that, you know, all of that works. But the stuff they're kind of keeping on being the elite, like the librarian stuff, didn't work. It's all just very disjointed right now. I think once they get to TV, it's going to make more sense. But, yeah, like you were saying, it's the structure as they're building now is not working to their advantage. And I do want to say, too, like, the way they're structuring, the way they're promoting everything now is, like, I know where to look because I'm an in-touch fan. But if you want to build your brand and everything, like, you've got Being the Elite, which is advancing storylines on the Bucks channel, on the Being Elite channel. You've got the road to Fight for the Fallen and the road to All Out episodes being put on the AEW channel. You've got other promos being put on Cody's YouTube channel, the Nightmare Family channel. Like, why is there not one cohesive movement towards a goal here? And again, that's all going to be solved when we get to TV, right? In October, we don't have to worry about that problem anymore. And I I think that's all they're focused on. And I, I don't blame them for that. Because the shows they're doing now are mainly for the hardcore fans, right? Like... We're not going to get any more casual fans out of now. <laughs> We're still completely an internet product, right? No, I mean, it's it's not a case of, oh, you should flip, you know, I'm flipping channels and, oh, crap, wrestling's on. It's, yeah. no, you have to go out of your way to find it. Yeah. Um. So uh, my other issue is since we've somehow almost filled an hour already. T- I mean, you, th- you and I thought we were going to have a short show. Um, my other issue lies at the end of the Cody Darby Allen match when Sean Spears attacks and Cody takes an unprotected chair shot to the head. Chair shots to the head, I think are fine as long as they're protected. I've got no, I've got no problem with that. Right. If you're scripting it in the show and the wrestler knows, all right, I need to turn around and get my hand up and great. Every, everyone that's, that's a wrestling fan will accept that in their suspension of disbelief of the product. Right. In the year 2019, knowing what we know that we didn't know 20 years ago, there is no place for that. And for the young bucks to then come out two days later and be like, well, the chair was gimmicked. That was an accident that Cody got busted open and he had 12 staples. That's why you don't do that in the first place. Like, that's how you get CTE. Right. That's how you want to jump the barricade at WrestleMania and shoot Paul Heyman and then yourself. Yeah. Like that, I, like it took me so out of the moment of enjoying everything that was going on. And I, I realized that could be like one of the smarkiest things I've ever said. But like, I hated that. I hated that moment knowing what we know about CTE and then for them to continue the entire, uh, have the commentary team talk about like, well, Cody's going to need to be tested for CTE. Okay. One, we clear, you clearly don't even have an understanding of how that works. So you, you shouldn't do unprotected chair shots in the head because you don't even know how that disease works because <laughs> you don't get so, tested for CTE idiots. So, so are we, are we going to autopsy Cody? Uh, you know, you gotta do that. You gotta do a CTE testing. No, like, 
The fact that you're working the does he have a concussion into a storyline in the year 2019, knowing what we know, knowing the the the, the legal ramifications of what's going on in basically every major professional sports league in the world around it. Like, that's not cool. I realize it's edgy because WWE doesn't do chair shots to the head. But please don't ever do that again. Like, there is no place for that. And I realized, too, it's Cody. It's one of the 839 executive vice presidents of this brand. But still. Yeah. Don't. And I mean, I mean, Cody is still a Rhodes. Despite that fact that, you know, he doesn't use that name. Um, and I think there's still a part of him that is old school and going, well, you know, maybe just once in a while or whatever. It, or, uh, besides that, regardless, whatever. Um, it surprised me seeing that. Mainly in the sense that AEW has been positioned by Cody and by the Bucks, by 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 their management, I'll say, as being this tremendously woke organization. Right. We're going to make sure, you know, like, I don't think they actually use the term union, but, you know, everybody's got benefits. and Which they've since sure... backtracked on, by the way, I'd like to note. Well, you know, concussions. Um, and... The women are going to get paid on, you know, a proper scale and just all these like, you know, like we know that this is what people bitch about on the Internet and we're going to make sure that, you know, we're on top of it or whatever. And then to kind of fall back onto something that, you know, people are going to bitch about on the Internet. And what kills me? What kills me? You say people are going to bitch. I mean, it goes both you say people are going to bitch about it. The number of people who are like, yeah, WWE wouldn't do that. When I was watching that match live and I had the Reddit live thread open, which we all know Reddit is a cesspool, right? But it's it's a vocal cesspool. Yeah. And to see the number who were like, oh, I'm so glad they did that. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? That's not cool. It's I mean, not it's, acceptable. It's... Knowing what we know now, you know, again, I don't want to pass judgment on The Rock hitting McFoley with a, with a, with a chair in the head 12 times in the 90s. Like, okay, you knew he was going to get a concussion. Probably shouldn't have done it. But you you, you didn't know the, the long-term lasting effects that we know now, right? Where right. one or two of those could be, you know, a lifetime of not knowing who you are. But to know, to do that now is just, it's appalling. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. Like it really is. I mean, we joke about it, but it is. It's like again, you're electing to this isn't, you know, a vicious attack that came completely out of nowhere. Cody knew it was going to happen. But and stood there and took the chair shot. And my issue too with him being the one to do that as the executive vice president number 312 of that company. You're the one setting the standard to be like, if I'm going to do it, everyone should do it. Right? Yeah. And that's I, that's another part of my issue with it is like as leadership in that company, you should be like, this is something we're not doing. Right. 
I'm not doing it. You're not doing it. No one is doing it. Because wrestlers have that, all right, if you're going to do that, I'm going to top it mentality. It's just part of the business. And this this leads to dangerous things. Or if you have a younger guy who's, you know, just signed to the promotion, you're looking at that and going, well, if he did it, then, you know, I need to step up. I can up. be like him. I can show them that, yeah, I not only I will to that, I can do something more dangerous. Yeah. It's just, it was gross. I don't ever want to see it again. Like, if even if I'm on the network and I'm watching back old stuff, I have to, it makes me wince. But I have to put it in the context of, we didn't know. So, but now we know, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. With that said, Moxley and Janela had maybe the most publicly acceptable form of a, the best publicly acceptable form death uh, death match I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it was the most like stripped down death match of all time, but it was still like. It was still great. <laughs> it's funny because I, I that that was one of the things I turned it on to watch. Yeah, and you like, had your barbed I, wire. You had a little bit of blood, but not an excessive amount of blood. It was fine. I think I think I saw like a gif of Moxley getting thrown into the barbed wire, and I'm <laughs> like, oh yeah, I I I gotta see this to see what direction it's when, gonna go in. And then I'm watching, and I'm like. Oh, he took off his shoes and put his feet in oh, the Oh, God. That, I cringed so hard. And then, yeah. like, it's Janela, so, you know, he's he's legit going to take it. And then he's sitting there with his feet up in the air so the camera can get the shot. Because yeah. Janela's and they're stuck in his feet. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Need to turn this off. Can't do it. <laughs> and then as he's pulling him out and you just see his feet bleeding. Oh, not a, not a fun day Sunday at the Janela household. Yeah. Um, and the, the chair wrapped in barbed wire that Janela still hit him full, that hit Moxley full speed in the back with. Yikes! <laughs> oh man! Uh, uh, all of that being said, I still enjoyed Fighter Fest. I thought it was good. I'm looking forward to fight for the Fallen. So yeah. Um, wrapping up quickly because we're over an hour already. Yeah, uh, I I think we can't not mention the death of Paraguayo this past week. Uh, major major figure in AAA. Um, yes. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say oh. I don't have that much to add. Um, I don't either. I'm was, not familiar. He was. I mean, he was one of El Santo's last big rivals. So that kind of rub kind of gives you an idea of what kind of name he was. Yes. And he was just one of those guys that was always around and just just a, such mm-hmm. a major name in the wrestling industry in Mexico. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, preceded by death, uh, in death by his son, El Hijo del Perro, uh, del Perro a while, four years ago. Uh yeah. Crazy, man. It's it's one of those big names. Yeah. Again, I'm not familiar with this work because I'm not super in tune with Lucha. But, yeah. 
you tell the impact. You 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 can. It's one of those names you know, and you know what it means to the sport and the the legacy of the sport. So, right. Never fun. Never fun to report on that. But uh, next week will be fun. Oh, because then we'll be getting ready for Extreme Rules, right? On yes. Last episode, yes. We've got a mixed tag match. It's winner take all. Uh, other things. <laughs> Many. Now we're gonna have a show that's called Extreme Rules, and Paul Heyman is technically involved. So, oh boy, oh no. <laughs> I like how everyone's re- reaction online to Monday night was like, this must mean they're bringing in a new set. All right. Just because Edge speared Rhino or no, Rhino Gord Edge. There we go. Rhino Gord Edge through the SmackDown set that one time. And then the fish showed up the next week. Doesn't mean that every time someone gets speared through a set, they're building a new set. <laughs> but maybe put that to bed now. It's not happening. I can guarantee you. I'll put I I'll put money on that that Monday night there's not a new set. I think they should just work with a broken set for like a month. <laughs> that would be great. I would be all in for that. Oh, any parting thoughts, Tom? As we let these people get about their holiday weekend. No, I'm just gonna finish up this uh, adult beverage, and uh, I don't know. Um, I guess I will throw out there. Uh, I haven't got a chance to sit down and watch all of it yet, but uh, on the network, and you know how I love my 80s wrestling. I'm familiar. Uh, the Hidden Gems, always great. Please check out the Hidden yeah. Gems. Uh, but depending on your uh, WWE Network operating system kind of thing, sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to navigate. Like, I have a Roku and I have a, uh Amazon device. And they kind of run to, the Roku one is, is awful, a little bit more dated. Yeah. Um, but if you hit 86, it has the 1986 Crockett Cup. Ooh, really? Which is um, the pinnacle of tag team wrestling. <laughs> so in 1986, um, Jim Crockett promoted this tag team tournament in the uh, Carolinas area. I forget where it was. It may have been Greensboro. I think it Um, was. But pretty much it was a two-day tournament to – I forget how many teams are actually literally involved. I want to say like 32 teams. It was a huge, huge like event. And the thing is, the first round is, like, these so obscure tag teams from, like, the the smaller little, like, NWA promotions all across the country. And some of them are, like, some of them are just, like, completely thrown together tag teams, like, say, Jimmy Garvin and the Barbarian for some reason. Because they just had extra wrestlers, and they're like, well, we need to make a tag team. Here, you and you. But it's not like battle bowl where they kind of like randomly did it for wackiness reasons. They just happened to be okay. Well, let's put these two guys together. Uh, so it was co it was co-promoted uh, Crockett and Bill watch from the uh, mid South slash right. UWF. I don't know if they were UWF at the time yet. 
Um, it, it's been one of those, I, I won't call it Holy Grail, like the last battle of, uh, Georgia and uh, yeah. things like that, but, or the Tom McGee stuff. But so when the Crockett cup came out and there were three of them, uh, but this was the first one when it originally came out, they came out with, uh, like a lot of the Crockett stuff did. They came out with VHS cassette that you could order through the Superstation, and but apparently with that one, the the video cassette wasn't available for that long. I don't know if another pay per view came up or whatever, but it's been extremely hard to find. So copies for them on eBay go for ridiculous amounts of money. And the thing was, the cassette that actually came out was a two-hour cassette. Uh, so it was highlights, like highlights of the first round, and then like later matches, that type of thing. This is all over four hours long, and it's still not everything because it's, I think... The first match, which starts off, they'll say, like, match number six or something like that. So the first, like, five matches are cut off, and I don't know specifically what they are off the top of my head. I don't have this in front of me, but there's a couple of matches that wouldn't have been that bad to watch. Some are crap, some are not, that type of thing. Yeah. But to see, like, some of these teams, like, uh, the Fantastics take on the Fabulous Ones... So you get Stan Lane before he was officially part of the Midnight Express, t- uh, tagging with Steve Kern. Um, just all these matches. There's a match later on, not to spoil it completely, but the Fantastics end up taking on the Sheep Herders, uh, who would end up being <laughs> the Bushwhackers. Right. But the Sheep Herders is like evil Sheep Herders. I mean, blood everywhere, like out of control, double DQ type match that like, especially for 86 was balls to the wall. Um, I need to sit down and actually watch the whole thing, but it is awesome that it is available. Bruce Pritchard is doing the ring announcing for it. Oh, wow. So, so that's fun. Uh, there is no commentary. It's just footage. Neat. That's cool. So check it out. It's, if you've got some time to kill, uh, Obviously, unless you've got four hours to kill at one time, you know, <laughs> take it in a couple of uh, the opening matches are probably like anywhere from like seven to ten minutes long. So, you know, watch a match or two here and there and just kind of roll with it. But yeah, highly recommended. Cool. All right. So well, there I rambled. There you go. Well, uh, you keep rambling and tell the people where they can find you on the Internet. On the Twitter machine at Mr. Workrate at MR Workrate. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I don't I don't feel like plugging anything else. Probably whatever other social media thing that I'm on is probably down anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at JCBob at JCBOBBIATT uh, there or wherever finer social media is purveyed. You can find the show on Twitter at Cheaters in VR Pin, Cheaters in VR Pin, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're all over the place and listen to us on that Roku. It's wonderful. We actually love Roku. <laughs> I know I said it was terrible earlier, but we it's do. wonderful. Our app's wonderful. Roku is great. The WWE app on yeah. Roku, not so much. Not great. Yeah. 
Uh, so I next... have a Roku TV downstairs. It's great. Yeah. Uh, next Sorry. week. Oh. Uh, you're fine. That's all right. Next week, we'll be here uh, getting you ready for Extreme Rules. Uh, maybe a little Fight for the Fallen talk, if anything comes to that, leading up to it. Uh, and whatever else happens in the world of professional wrestling. So, for both of us here at the Teeters Never Pen podcast, we thank you for listening. Happy 4th of July. Even though you're listening to this and it's probably the 5th, at least. <laughs> but that's okay. We love you anyway. Uh, so, my name is JC. I'm Tom. And we'll catch you on the flip side.